0: Hello everyone and welcome to Digital Roadmap, an old school gaming podcast where we explore how the games of the past brought us the games that we love today. I'm your host Grant, and in this episode we're going to look at how some games out there have added educational content in there without banging you over the head with it, without being blatantly obvious in the educational nature of it, a little more stealthy, if you will. Now, just to organize a bit of context here, I'm going to talk about really the more blatant education. And these are the types of games that make it very obvious that you're learning or mostly obvious that you're learning while you're playing it. The education itself becomes kind of the main focus of the game. It's the kind of games you would see on school computers back in the 90s. Anybody that, you know, went to a school like mine will remember the blue screen IBM computers that would sit in the computer lab. And they would have games such as a reader rabbit or Mario teaches typing where there's no question, there's no doubt, there's no debate you are learning you are being educated while you're playing this and the game content of it may be relatively limited even games like Carmen san diego actually falls into this category because it's all based around solving this trivia information the currency the language landmarks certain cultural aspects of these different different countries and figuring out which country that means i mean there's no doubt here that you're trying to match a to b I think it says a lot about me that I had a lot of that information in the back of my head when I did the Carmen San Diego episode. I didn't need to pull up much to figure it out because I watched way too much Jeopardy and played way too many games like that growing up. Now, for the more subtle type of teaching, the more stealth education that goes on, I want to look at first games that kind of teach problem-solving techniques. There aren't any obvious lessons that are meant to be in there, but what these games do is they introduce a gradual structure to solve their problems. They'll give you a gradual set of skills, and by the end of the game, they expect you to get very creative With them, if you want to find everything. So, you don't have to find everything, but you will see how these skills can be applied later on. One of the great examples I can think of offhand would be the messenger, which I got a chance to see last year at EGLX. And that really shows by giving you a gradual set of skills, putting the obstacle in front of you right after you learn that skill, it kind of hammers home the concept. And as you grow, as you get more capable with them, you get much more complex puzzles that will chain multiple skills together. Sometimes, optional sometimes to get to the next area you have to chain a couple skills together at once i mean action adventure games in general are very structured with their boss fights so you have to have that pattern recognition you learn to recognize the defend defend attack structure of all of them dark souls is obviously the most extreme example of that where even a rat in a tunnel you need to be very careful and pick your moment to strike at them and when to dodge or else you're going to get absolutely beaten even if you are kind of a middle level you're going to take a beating in the process now the second type I'm, I'm looking at are ones that make you think outside the box the puzzles and riddle type games that are out there now not all of the challenges or the lessons are in the physical world of the game sometimes it does require thinking and that's really where these come in handy so they require you to kind of break down the information and read between the lines a lot of the time the puzzles aren't completely obvious rpgs have this in spades you can look at say dragon age or the witcher games they'll have those a lot of the time there was one point my wife was playing witcher two or three and she was in a tomb with a riddle being read out and before it even gave the options before she gave the options to me at all i had the answer figured out and she just wanted to know how i knew it was going to be on there it's because i've seen these a thousand times if you go back to the first episode of the series knights of the old republic on korban the sith planet it was a prime example they have these in spades they are everywhere it is all of the classic rpg tropes and there is one that is just riddles and puzzles of this regard another one that people are going to recognize very quickly is something called the tower of hanoi it's the the best way to describe the puzzle is it's the one with multiple sized discs on one post and you have two more empty posts you have to get the tower rebuilt on the third post essentially without placing larger discs on top of smaller discs in the process if you see it you'll recognize it right away now there's great riddles out there that are either universe specific or very broad to our world as well the ones that are universe specific still require you to break down the information in a particular way because it's not going to be a straightforward trivial pursuit or beer league trivia night type question it's going to require a little bit of structure it's going to require a little bit of understanding the logic of the riddle itself the other genre that's notorious for these obviously are adventure games um there is some level of what's called moon logic where the puzzle just makes absolutely no sense it there is no way you'll understand the puzzle maker's logic behind it but the really good ones the really well-designed ones have inventory management puzzles where you have to combine certain items together and you can see the logic even if it's not real world logic in the adventure game it will make sense Toonstruck had a great example of that where you you relied on puns a lot of the time. You relied on a little on witty wordplay to combine items in your inventory or to submit them as answers to puzzles. And again, that's showing not just the ability to read the information, but the ability to understand the logic of the environment you're in. And that's incredibly useful in real life a lot of the time. Now the third one I want to touch on is games that basically teach real history to some extent, maybe not accurate but they give you the foundation they show you some interesting elements that make you want to go out and learn more afterwards almost like the after school special about going to your library or the reading rainbow where he would recommend other books for you on the same topic and these are used to teach history to the players these are used to kind of inspire you to look into history civilization is a great example of this where the game itself can cause history to go completely off track best exemplified with gandhi the nuclear weapons expert but it also has an encyclopedia in there and every time you get a new technology every time you get a new skill in the game or unit you can open up the encyclopedia information and learn all about that and the real world context of it at the time this is a great way to learn i mean the fact that they have basically an entire encyclopedia built into the game as bonus content content you don't have to engage with at all and showing you how it moved from technology one to tech two to tech three as you go through it and you can actually see why one requires the other and it makes sense also there's war games out there that are very often based on and they do try to some extent i'm not going to say it's 100 realistic but they do try it some extent to recreate the battlefields from history call of duty the original call of duty actually taught about the supporting missions that made the normandy invasion possible that made d-day possible And as I always say, when I bring up this game, it did give acknowledgement to Juno Beach, the Canadian beachhead, something sorely ignored in a lot of popular culture coverage of D-Day. But they're not just showing you the classic fight that everybody knows about. They're showing you all the missions, gathering the intel, making sure people didn't know what was going on, landing your support troops behind enemy lines to make some of these objectives possible. Then we also have the Age of Empire series, which creates entire campaigns based around real historic clashes of armies, and it but they frame it by giving you some sort of a more personal take on events, somebody that's narrating these events that was there, sometimes as an actual member of the army, sometimes as a captured historian or scholar who's recording this as they go along. And a lot of the time, they do try and get the maps at least roughly based on the overall structure of the event. You have your choke points, you have your high ground advantages, you have, you know, the structure of Jerusalem was relatively accurate it's definitely more complex than you would ever get in one of these games normally and they do such a great job of showing that and showing you the grand scale of what was going on and what these really meant now another one that i'm i really enjoy especially with their later entries is the assassin's creed series now they've always tried to incorporate a codex of some sort for historical information that assassin's creed 1 came out around the same time manuals were dying a very quick death so they were very conscious of putting all of their information in the game and with the more recent entries so you have your origins and odyssey they've added the historical tour mode where there's no combat there's no fighting there's no worrying that a guard is going to jump out at you mid-tour you just go around you hit certain interest points and you learn about the architecture the history it's if you've ever been to a museum where they're showing you a historical city or historical culture it's almost like being inside one of their little dioramas and getting to walk around with all the detail there and all the information and It's not just great for educational purposes, it's great for people that are actually interested in that. It drives you in that direction again, the same way, like I said, Reading Rainbow did. Nowadays, we're seeing VR tech being used for this in a more traditional educational setup, like you're getting one of the great tours you can get now for educational purposes is a concentration camp where you have survivors telling their stories while you're touring these camps, and it gives so much more context for that. I would say the game version of this, like I'm not to minimize that by any means, but the game version of this, a gamified version of this, I would say is at most a generation away. So the people that are going through school now, when they grow up, when they hit their 20s or their 30s, and they start having access to these tools and having the funding and the backing to tell these stories, they're going to take those memories into the next wave of creation. We've seen this over and over again in different genres where you'll see a genre start and then you'll see about a generation or or a generation and a half later a new wave of developers a new wave of creators come in and turn that on its head and turn it into something much more than the originals could have seen and so that's it for how games can kind of stealthily sneak in their educational content if you're a younger listener keep these things in mind if your parents try to complain about wasting your time it actually worked for me on a few games where i said no 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 this is educational i swear i played way more civilization and age of empires than i probably should have by using that excuse. Thanks for joining this episode. And if you want to reach out, you can do so either on Twitter at Roadmap Podcast. You can come by the website, RoadmapPodcast.com. There's a Discord server and Facebook page as well. All of that's going to be in the show notes. Feel free while you're there to suggest some older games that we should play on the show. Share some of your favorite memories or even just ask some questions. While you're at it, don't forget to subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, really wherever you're getting your podcast. If you're listening to this right now and you're not already subscribed, do so. Drop a review while you're at it. Next episode, we're going to be looking at one of the Dr. Brain games from Sierra. It's an adventure game that was meant to be played in schools. It was meant to be a little more educational. So they added some of the ideas into the games to seem at least somewhat educational. It's actually, from what I've been playing, very educational to some extent, but others, it's just trial and error. It's a new game for me, so I don't have as much experience. I'm actually experiencing it for the first time, which is kind of interesting going back as a grown-up and playing something for kids. So come back then to check it out, and thanks for listening.